All right, if you could, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. is where we're going to be at this morning. And, um, you know, just a few things for us to remember. You know, this week coming up, November 6th, uh, is Election Day. And so one thing that I would ask that you would do as we lead up, especially if you're um, a... a uh, if you're a citizen of De Quincey, or even if you're just a voting citizen in general, there's a lot of different things we're voting on. This is a very uh, big time for us, and I pray that you would uh, execute your right to vote, um, and that you would uh, prayerfully consider uh, who that would be that you would vote for. Um, stepping into it by God's grace and His mercy, and just having a gospel vision when you look at the ballots, and then as you do your research and you decide who you're going to vote on, I just pray that that's what you would do, not with any malice or ugliness, but you would just step into that and vote um, by the Lord's leading. And we know that the Bible tells us that God is who establishes authority, uh, and so we just want to whatever happens, rest in what He does, and but just continue to pray and pray for our leaders. And if the person you vote for doesn't get whatever it is, uh, man, pray for them. You know, pray for them because we want nothing but good for our country. We want nothing for good for our town specifically um, because it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So I pray that you would uh, be thinking about that. And uh, and something else to just be remembering this past week, you know, one of the things we celebrated was Halloween. And I'm still eating on candy from that. And I probably will end up with a cavity or something like that. And my kids, they catch me like, you know, I sneak into the pantry. I eat in private. And then they catch, Dad, what are you doing in the pantry? Don't worry about it. But uh, so Halloween, but also uh, October 31st is also recognized as Reformation Day. And what this is, is this is a recognition of people that have gone before us, that have stepped in to the work of ministry, that have given their lives, that have fought for us to have God's word, that fought for us to know the gospel the way it is today. And one of those people, uh, and the, specifically what Reformation Day celebrates is Martin Luther, 471 years ago, he nailed the 95 Thesis to the door of this church, uh, basically saying what uh, what he felt like per the scripture, how they were doing things wrong, and it was a huge deal, and it was a huge deal in that time. But it paved the way for what we do this morning, and some of the things that he said uh, could still stick with us, and could still be a motivator and a mover for us here this morning. One of the things uh, Martin Luther said was, "Faith is a living." Daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. He also said this, this, he said, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. You know, and then we would have people like William Tyndall and these other people that would give their life so that me and you could have the opportunity to hold God's Word and read God's Word for ourselves. So one of the things, I just want to, as one of your pastors here this morning, I just want to challenge you with something. And, and I want you to hear me not condemning something or not saying something is particularly wrong, but something that I want to encourage you about. You know, because I, I use my phone and my Bible app on my phone constantly. I, and I love, uh, especially community group Wednesdays when I'm seeing people from the other groups save and like scripture and all those things, and it's great, and it's awesome, and I want to encourage you to continue to do that, because um, I do that also, but one of the things I really want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to get a hard copy. If you don't have a hard copy of God's Word that you read, that you mark in, that you crease up, that you spill coffee on, I want to encourage you to do that, and this is why. This is why. You know, I have a work phone, um, and the only thing I do with that phone is I receive work emails and work phone calls, okay? That's the only thing I do on that phone. I don't do anything else on it. My other phone, I do a million different things on it. I 
make calls, I make texts, I look at YouTube, I look at other things, you know, I, 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 I do all, and I also look at my Bible app on it. And so what I'm saying is on this, church, there's nothing we do in this except dive into God's Word. There's no risk for distraction. There's no, because I mean, three finger swipe to the left and you're into Facebook. You're into Snapchat. You're into whatever Pinterest or whatever it is else that you're looking at. And so all I want to do is I want to encourage you that if you would get a hard copy of God's Word, because the thing with it is it's personalized to you. When you start to write in it, when you start to underline God's truth in it, when you highlight it, when you write your name in it, when you get a certain version or a certain style, the way it looks, it's yours and it's you. And all you use it for, the commenting you do, the trolling you do, is in God, is on God and what he's doing and what he's got for you. So that's just something I just want to encourage you about. I want to encourage you about not to not neglect whatever use your phone could be for you because it's amazing the resource that we have and the way that we have God's word available to us in that way and the many different versions and all these things. But there's just something so personal about having God's word to hold in your hand, to mark up, to look at that's dedicated to nothing but his word. All right? I just wanted to share that with you. It has absolutely nothing to do with my message. But... I just wanted to encourage you in that. So right now we're in a series called Thankful. We're in a series called Thankful. And so we started last week and we're going to continue into this week talking about thankfulness in regards to provision, to daily provision. Okay, and so I want to kind of set the context of where we are in Exodus 16. And I'm going to kind of cover Exodus 16, 17 because these situations are very similar and they're going to speak a very profound truth to us this morning. But um, where we are is two chapters before this. In Exodus 14, we see God deliver the children of Israel from the slavery of Egypt. Okay, Just this massive moment when God stepped in. He heard His people. He heard their cries for saving. And He stepped in and He used Moses to lead the people out and to cross the Red Sea. Okay, And so that's where we are here in Exodus 14. And then in Exodus 15, right before that, we see God, uh, we see the people of Israel praising God for what He had done for them. Uh, some of the things they say, they sing this song. It's labeled, if you have titles, it's in verse 15, it's titled the Song of Moses. It's the Song of Moses. And what this is, is this is Moses and the people basically having this all-out worship service, praising God for what He had done for them. Some of the things it says, verse 1, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. Verse 2 says, the Lord is my strength, he's my song, he has become my salvation. They're just praising God, they're recognizing, God, you are good and you provide and you do for us. Later on in verse, chapter 15, in verse 11, he says, who is like you? The people proclaim, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? They're recognizing the deeds of God in their provision, the wonders of God in the provision. They're just in awe of God in this moment. Okay, They're just praising God. And so where we see, where we pick up in Exodus 16 is we see them entering into this wilderness. Okay, They're in this wilderness. They're moving through this wilderness area. And so if we can kind of recognize a couple things uh, about this situation. If leaving Egypt represents Israel's salvation, if leaving Egypt represented Israel's salvation, then the wilderness represented their sanctification. Okay? The wilderness was the time when God was challenging His people, when He was growing His people, when He was, he was, he was testing His people. Okay? 
And so what this is, God was using this time. He was using this time from purpose to promise as he was leading them to this promised place that he had given them, as he leads them there. And so for us, where I want to begin for us to get our minds to is this is the state that we spend our lives is from purpose to promise in this area of sanctification, in this wilderness. Okay, and so what we're going to see is some truths about God's provision from Exodus 16 and 17 in this time of growing, of challenging, uh, of, of obedience, of building a faith that God is doing with them here is the same thing that God is doing with us today. So we're going to pick up and we're going to see is we're going to hopefully get a biblical perspective as much as I can. I told Brother Garen as I was studying and you read things and I'm trying to wrangle it in because we could talk for hours and hours and days and days on God's provision and what that looks like. But I pray this morning that we can just be kind of focused in and we can get a biblical perspective on God's provision because the Bible tells us that he is a provider. Okay, the Bible tells us that he is a provider. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Okay. And Psalm 23, 1 talks about this, says the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Bible tells us that he is a provider. And so let's get a biblical perspective on provision, daily provision, and be able to rest in that and be thankful about that this morning. So that's our goal. And I hope this morning that we can kind of wrap our minds around that. So picking up in verse 16, verses, uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, the first thing I want us to see is what does he provide? What does God provide? Let's start reading in verse 1. It says, They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. Came to the wilderness of sin. There could be a whole message in this first verse, but we're going to move on. Came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the fifth day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by meat and pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. So remember, we just read Exodus 15, and what were they doing? Praising God. God, thank you for your good deeds. God, thank you for your wondrous acts. Lord, you are just so good. You do so great. And then one chapter later, they're saying, God, did you lead us all the way out here just to die of hunger? Lord, did you do all of that for us to die? You know, we were better off in Egypt. We were better off in slavery. And what it says here in verse 2 is it says that, that they grumbled against Moses. That they grumbled against Moses. They had already forgotten what God had provided. So what had God provided for them? What had God provided for them? He had provided freedom for, from slavery. Hundreds of years of slavery, God delivered them from, from slavery. He had, delivered them, he had given them direction to a promise. He had given them purpose in that promise. And in Exodus 15, it says that he had made bitter water, clean water, dirty water, clean water, so that they could drink. So why did they grumble? Why did they grumble? And I think we can find ourselves in this, the same reason maybe why we grumble sometimes in God's provision, what he does for us. David talks about this in Psalm 95. He mentions these specific events in Exodus 16 and 17. Now, just to clarify, Exodus 17 is whenever they come, the same situation, and they, they're, they're thirsty. There's no water. And what does God tell Moses to do? Strike the rock and water will flow from the rock for the people. So it's the same type of situation. And David mentions this in Psalm 95. He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As, it, as at Meribah, 
as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put, put me to the test, when they put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. It says, though they had seen my work, they put me to the test. They put me to the proof. What had they done? Why were they grumbling? They were grumbling because they had forgotten. They were grumbling because they had encountered this lack of control that they had. That they stepped into this situation they knew they had no control over. They stepped into this situation of danger, of shortages, of stress, of inconvenience. And they began to grumble. They began to look back. Verse 3, it says, would we have been better off in Egypt? At least there we were fed. At least there we set by pots of meat and we had the bread that we could eat to be full. But the reality is, is I don't think they really wanted to go back to Egypt. What they wanted is they wanted their life to be easier. And they were willing to step back into slavery for their life to be easier, for their life to be more convenient, for it to be less stress in their mind, but they've forgotten the stress that they had under the slavery of the sin that they were in because they had forgotten what God had provided them, what God had provided them. And we're the same way. When we're stressed, when we're pressed, that's the times in our life when the temptation is the strongest, when the doubt in God seems the loudest. And we forget what he's provided because what they wanted, they were willing to walk back into slavery because they were missing it. Because what they were looking for was the gift rather than the giver. Okay, what they were looking for is what God could give me rather than God himself. They were missing what God was providing. They wanted the gifts, not him. They wanted control. They wanted things done their way, the way I see it should be, the way it should be done. They wanted things done this very specific way. And how often do we approach our provision with a mindset of things should be the way I think they should be rather than resting in the giver and stop looking for the gifts? The same way we want that control And God provides for us. And God had already provided for them. And what we'll see is God will provide for them again, but not in the way that they expect. Church, God provides in us in ways that we would never expect sometimes, and maybe even in ways we're not even looking for. Picking up in Exodus chapter uh, chapter 16, verse 4, we're going to read to verse 7 and read a couple of other verses to reveal what God was doing for them. In verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, At evening you shall know Know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling. Because he has heard your grumbling. And so uh, another verse that talks about what God has given them, uh, picking up in verse 14 of chapter 16. And it says, And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. So God is showing them what he's given them. And picking up in verse 31, they name this 
bread. And it says, Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like a, a coriander seed, white, and taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So they named it manna. And that word manna literally means, what is it? What is it? They didn't know what it was. They had never seen this before. They never expected God to provide in this way. But God was providing. He was providing His way, not their way. He was providing His way, not their way. So what does God provide? God provides things His way. God provides things His way, a new thing, something new. And God had already given them so much, and what God was teaching them was to rely on Him. What does He provide? He provides for them. He gives. We just can't limit God to the way that we think things should be. Okay, we can't limit God to the way that we think things should be. Okay, we can't limit God's provision merely to physical or tangible circumstantial ways. Because remember, we're made in the image of God. A triune being, be a little fancy this morning, a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. So listen, maybe God is going to provide for us in more ways than just the body. Okay, God says, I will provide for you. And, his, and the Bible tells us this. Luke 12, 15, it says, For one's life does not consist in abundance of his possessions. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. He says, I give you peace. 2 Corinthians 1, 4, he says, Who comforts us in all our afflictions. He comforts. He gives comfort to us. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. God gives to us, and it may not always be the way we think He should give it. Listen, one of the biggest enemies of a biblical perspective on provision, and I only know this because I experience this in the current job that I work in, when it comes to physical provision, the biggest enemy is word of faith teaching or prosperity gospel. Okay, and I just want to hammer on that just for a second because I have to acknowledge it for us to get an accurate view of what biblical provision is. Okay, because it's not if I have enough faith in something, that something's going to happen my way. Because what that feeds into is the habit your way generation of people that says, if I have enough faith, if I do enough good, if I, have, if I, if I believe enough, God's going to give it to me. I have a man dying right now that I take care of that believes God is failing because God is not healing him of the cancer that he has. The Bible tells me, he tells me, Jake, the Bible tells me that he's a healer. The Bible, right before this in Exodus 15, it says that I am the Lord, your healer. Why is God not healing me? Bible says, if I have enough faith, he'll heal me. God has to heal me. Brother, God doesn't have to do anything for you because he's already done enough. And we're limiting God if we're looking at his provision as physical. God can do so much more for us because the Bible tells us the things we have and these very bodies we have will, will fade away, will rust, will disintegrate. We have got to see God's provision beyond what we see in our life. Because all of us have been in need. All of us are right now standing in this place in need of something. In need of direction. In need of a new job. In need of peace. In need of comfort. In need of stability. In need of something. In need of a car. In need of lunch in an hour. We're all in need of something. 
And what God's calling us to is to not be limited and to not think and not limit his provision. Because listen, if we base prosperity and provision off of what we do and how our faith is, then we're having an inaccurate view of of, of, of provision. Because listen, Psalm 73 tells us that prosperity and provision can be linked to wickedness. So we can't always say just because we have a lot, we're comfortable, we're happy, we're wholesome, everything's going great, that that's linked to righteousness, that that's linked to God's provision. Because it may not be. It may not be. Because it doesn't account for the negative being a part of the provision. Listen, God can provide for us in the negative. God can provide for us in the struggle. God can provide for us in the stress. God can grow us. That's what makes our God so great, is that God can grow us and show us more in the struggle than He can in the success. God can use our broken situations and develop us. And so we can't just believe that our faith, if it's strong enough, will never have struggle ahead of us. Because what God provides is bigger than that. Because following God will bring struggle. He provides in the pressure. God provides in the pressure. And when God, when Jesus made his call to the people to follow him, he, he said, uh, the foxes don't have a den. The fo- the, the, they don't have a place. He was basically saying, you may be homeless if you follow me. Not the greatest sales pitch to invite someone to follow you, right? But that's what God, that's what Jesus said. He said, things may not always be great, around you. But he says that doesn't mean that God's not not providing for you. Even in the midst of struggle, in the midst of pressure, God will provide. And so not only do we need to see what he provides, but we need to see where God provides. Where does God provide? Where can we find his provision, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, whatever it is? Where do we find this provision? Exodus 16.10 says this, said, as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Listen, the people of Israel during this time in the wilderness, all they had to know is where is God at? Because God presented himself in this time as a pillar a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night to lead them. And so they didn't have to worry about where they were going. All they had to worry about is where is God at? Because where God is, that's where the provision's at. Where God is, that's where the direction's at. Where God is, that's where the purpose is at. So where do we find God's provision? Church, we find God's provision in His presence. We find God's provision in His presence. Our provision is connected to His purpose. That's what He was doing for the children of Israel here. He was leading them in the wilderness. He was in that unknown space, leading them, providing for them, intentions to provide for them. Martin Luther says this, he says, I know not the way God leads me, but well do I know my guide. I don't know the way God leads me, but I know that he's leading me. That is some confidence that we can have that there is provision in God's purposes. God had already told them. God told them in Gen- told Abraham in Genesis, I'm going to make your people a great nation. There was a promise laid out before them that God was going to do something. 
And so when God makes a promise, we can guarantee provision. When God has a purpose, there will be provision. Philippians 1.6, one of my favorite verses that I constantly have to preach to myself, says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If you are a saved believer in God this morning, God has started a work in you. You are feeling drawn into God. God has started that work. He will finish that work. Bible promises that He will finish that work. And so there is no time in that wilderness that we're ever without Him. That we're ever separate from Him. That we're ever out from under His provision. It may not always be the way we think it should be, but God says He will provide. That God promises that He will provide. We find His provision where He is. For them, they were following the cloud of fire, the cloud, uh, uh, the pillar of cloud in the presence of God leading them. This provision comes with His presence. And the thing that we can be confident of is that my provision is not linked to my circumstances. My provision is linked to my Savior. That my provision is linked to God. It's linked to Jesus. And He has made promises to me like we sang earlier in that verse in 1 Corinthians whenever it says, all your promises are yes and amen in Christ. All your promises are yes and amen. If there's a promise directed at us today, then we can be confident that that promise is yes and amen. Or that word amen just meaning finished. That it is sealed. That it is there for us. And so not only do we need to know what He provides, or where He provides, but we need to know how He provides. How does He provide for us, and how do we embrace that provision in our life? I love how God lays this out through Moses for the people. God laid out instructions for them to see them and step into them in faith, to rely on Him. A few verses for us to read to see this play out. Uh, Exodus 16, 4 and 5. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out, and they shall gather a day's portion every day. That's important. Remember that. Gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Verses 16 through 18 talk about this a little more. It says that it, this is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so, and they gathered some more and some less. Verse 18, but when they had measured it with an omer... Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. And continuing on in verse 22 and 23, it says, On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omars each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses and said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till morning. So they laid it aside till morning as Moses commanded them and it did not stink and there was no worms in it. And 25, Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. And so first, God lays out these very specific instructions. And so the thing I want us to understand is when we want to embrace provision from God in our lives, this is not a call for us just to sit and wait. 
This is not a call to just sit and wait. Listen, God actually speaks against laziness several times in the Bible. So God isn't saying that to embrace His provision, we just sit around and say, God, what do you have for me? No, He lays out steps for us, in front of us. Step into these things in faith. Go into this place. Step into this thing. Do this thing that I'm calling you to. So listen, embracing God's provision may come with steps of faith in our life. They may come with steps of faith because they didn't know if things were going to pan out the way that the instructions said. All he did is call him to do it. He just called him to do it. And so for us to embrace provision, first off, sometimes there are things that we need to step into to experience that provision. Okay? And not stand and just wait. God, I'm just waiting for you. Whatever you got to do, whatever you're going to do. No, he says, I have something for you to step into. You may not know how the result's going to be yet, but step into this. Step into this. And so not only does he call us to step into something in, uh, in, in faith, and I love this, he says that each one gathered enough for him. An Omar. It was enough, this, this measurement is like two liters or so. This is enough for one person. He says, gather enough for yourself. Gathers a day's portion every day. So what he was telling them not to do is not gather enough for tomorrow. Not gather enough for tomorrow. Gather enough today because like we said earlier, what is God doing? God's teaching teaching them to rely on Him daily. Rely on Him daily. Don't gather enough for tomorrow. If you gather enough for tomorrow, you're showing that you're not trusting that I'm going to provide for tomorrow. He says, I'm going to provide for you, so gather enough daily. He was teaching them, having faith that He would provide for tomorrow. That He would provide for tomorrow. And then that, this next part of that, how He provides, is He provides in the rest. He provides in the rest. And I want us to see this. This is very important. In verse uh, 25, talks about this. He says, Today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. He says, That what you're looking for, you're not going to find out there. I want you to rest. In verse 29, he says this. He says, See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. On the seventh day, how he was providing for them, he was calling them to rest. To not go out and look for it because it's not going to be there. Rest. Use what he's given you. Embrace what He's given you and be confident that He will provide more. And so how this spoke to me and how that I hope that we can wrap our minds around this is in our life as we look for provision, whether that's monetary or whether that's just comfort, peace, direction, guidance in our life, that provision that we need daily, we miss what we've got striving for what we can gain. Church, He calls them to rest so that they can recognize and remember what He's provided for them. Because think about it in our lives, too often we're running and gunning so fast, so hard, so long, that we never stop and recognize what God has provided for me. Because I'm looking to the next thing. Because I'm looking to tomorrow. Because I'm looking to what I can gain. Because I'm looking to what I can have. I'm looking to the next thing. You know, there are some days, and I'll just be very honest and frank with you this morning, that there have been days when I've come back from a long day of just work and running and gunning and games and practices and all these things, sat in my chair and just wanted to shut everything out and looked at my children and thought, I have not one time today just stopped and talked to them. 
and just, what are you doing? Sat on the floor with them, played with them. I have not one time today stopped and just sat next to my wife and said, what's up? You know, just resting in what God has given me. And we can miss so much of what God has placed into our life because we've moved on to the next thing. Because we've moved on to whatever it is God's got for us. So what He calls us to is He calls us to rest. Rest to remember and recognize what He's given us. Because listen, if we don't hear me this morning, if we don't take the time to rest and recognize and remember what He's done for us, then we will always be looking for something else. We will always be looking for something new because we're not experiencing the depth of what He's given us. We're not experiencing the goodness of what He's given us. We're going to be looking for the next thing. We're going to be looking to the next moment and missing these moments. We're going to live in the grass is greener mentality instead of embracing the provision, the, what God has provided me, the family, the job, the house, the, the wife, the, the, the comforts, the everything that he's given me. We all need on different levels, but all of us have so much here this morning. All of us have been provided so much, and if we don't ever stop and rest in that, we will miss what we have and we'll never experience the depth of what we have because we're looking to the next thing. So church, I pray that we can see that God provides not only in our faithful stepping, but God provides in our resting. God provides in the rest because He shows us what we have in our rest. And it may not always be the way that we think things should be or the way that we would have done things or the way that we want things to be done. But you can guarantee that God's providing in that. And that if we would rest, we would see His provision. If we would stop for a second, we would see, God, thank you. God, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for what you've done. And then the last thing as we wrap up this morning that I want us to see, and I think this is the most important thing that us at the New Testament church could step into this morning, is not only what He has provided, not only where He provides and how He provides, but the biggest thing that I hope that we can see this morning is who He provides. Who has God provided for us? And Exodus shows us this story played out for us to be able to celebrate in this morning, for us to be able to constantly rest in. The story of Exodus in this specific moment in Exodus is a lesson in Christ and His role in our life. And I want to show you that this morning. Why that's special. Why these moments are showing us about Christ and His provision for us in our life. Exodus 16.4 It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. God says, I will give you bread. Exodus 17, Exodus 17, 6. The Lord says this, He says, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you will strike the, the rock, you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink, and the people will drink. John 6.35 Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 4.14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Christ has always been and Christ will always be the very thing that we are intended to draw from for our provision. Whether it's body, soul, or spirit, the provision that we need is found in Jesus Christ, that He is the bread that Exodus 17 is pointing us to, that He is the water that Exodus 17 is pointing to. He is what God has intended. In 1 Corinthians, Paul specifically talks about this experience and how it is provisioned for us through what Christ has done for us. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1-4 through 4 say this, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, the presence of God, all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, the bread, and all drank the the same spiritual drink, the water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. What did God tell them to do to the rock? He told them to strike the rock. And that rock would pour out water for them to survive on. Church, God, through Jesus, is providing for us. God struck Jesus to be poured out for us. That through His sacrifice, through His blood, we would be forgiven. Because in Exodus 16 and 17, what did the people of Israel deserve? They did not deserve provision. They had literally just been shown God's provision in mighty, awesome ways that none of us here may ever physically see with our eyes. They physically saw God act. They physically saw the presence of God manifested in a cloud and a pillar of fire. And they still doubted God's provision. What did they deserve? They deserved the striking. But what did God strike instead? A rock to pour out for them. What did God do for us? Instead of hanging us on that cross, God struck His only Son on the cross, poured out, bleeding, dying to death for us. He provided for us in a way that we could never provide on our own and that God's provision through Jesus Christ continues to provide for us today. That it continues to give to us. God showed His mercy in our mess. That where we didn't deserve it, God provided anyway. When they didn't deserve it in Exodus, God provided anyway because He has purposes. He has promises that apply to us that are bigger than all this. He says, I'm drawing you into something better and I'm giving you something that will provide for you far deeper than any physical provision I could give to you. Christ was the rock. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. This morning I pray that above all things, that in provision and seeking God's provision, that we would cherish Christ. That if you're a believer this morning, that you would cherish Christ in His sacrifice. You would see Him as the prize, as the provision. That you would seek Him the way the bread was given, gathering it daily, seeking Him daily. 
In, in Matthew 5, whenever uh, Jesus is teaching on praying, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Listen, seeking Jesus daily to walk this life, to walk this wilderness is a daily gathering. And I pray that you would gather from him daily. You would seek after him daily. His grace, his mercy drawing from them. You know, and I love this song that's come out recently by Natalie Grant. She's been around a while, but this song just really spoke to me. And, and I was able to use it to speak to this patient that I talked to. But in this song, she says, teach me to want the healer more than the healing. Teach me to want the Savior more than the saving. Church, I pray that we would want the giver more than the giving. Church, I pray that we would want Jesus more than anything else. That we would find his provision, rest in his provision in our lives. That we would just, above all things, rest in his promises. That his provision is in his promises and in his purpose. His purpose is to bring us to those promises. And we can be confident that in his purpose and in his promise, there is provision. It may not always be the way we think it is, and we may stand in our life. I believe there's many things in our life right now that you would probably call manna. That you would say, what is it? Like, will this provide for me? Will this give to me? Will this sustain me? Will this grow me? There are some manas in your life, but I pray this morning that you would be confident in his provision. And that our challenge this morning, as, as the band comes up and, and we're going to sing something very simple and our time of singing is going to be very short, but I pray that during that time that you would reflect and that you would be challenged to do two things this morning. The first thing in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says this. He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all things will be added to you. He doesn't specifically say what things will be added to you. He says, all things will be added to you. Seeking God first to rest into provision from now on. Being able to be confident, to draw back from Him, to gather from Him daily. And then the last thing is Proverbs 3.6. He says, In all your ways... Acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Church, I don't know what paths you're walking this morning. I don't know what wilderness you're in this morning, but the Bible tells us that in that path that you're on right now, if you acknowledge Him, He will make that path straight. He will make that path right. He can take our broken wilderness and turn them into the path for righteousness. He will provide in that. Church, so this morning, I pray that as you go through your week, as we move through this time that we have in our wilderness, moving towards His promise, that you would gather from Him daily, that you would seek Him daily, and that in every part of your life, in your job, in your family, in your marriage, in everything, acknowledge Him. And it says that He will Step into that path with you and make it straight. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, or no matter where you're at, He's provided for us daily provision in Jesus. The rock struck to be poured out for us. The bread of life that will never leave us hungry, that will never leave us thirsty, that will well up inside of us constantly. 
I pray this morning that if you have never put your faith, applied your belief into Jesus in that way, that you would allow Him, acknowledge Him, seek Him in that way daily. I challenge you this morning as we sing this simple phrase this morning, life is a gift and the giver is good. Life is a gift and the giver is good. That the very breath I take is a result of the very life God has given me and that gift is good. That giver is good. And it doesn't matter my circumstance or my situation, that God is still good and His giving is still good. And that He's still there for us to draw from. He's there for us to search after. He's there for us to embrace. And I pray this morning that we would seek Him, that we would acknowledge Him, that we would rest in Him to see and remember what He has done for us. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And I'm going to pray for us really quick. And then we're just going to sing this simple phrase that I hope it'll sink into our minds. Life is a gift and the giver is good. So let us pray this morning. God, we thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you that you give to us even when we don't deserve your giving. God, I'm thankful that you provide for us when we're not deserving of your provision. God, and I'm thankful for Jesus, the rock who was struck, who was beaten, who was broken for my behalf, for our behalf, to provide for us daily. Lord, and you call us. You call us to seek you. You call us to draw near to you. Lord, you call us to acknowledge you. I pray this morning, whatever paths we're walking, whatever wilderness we're in, whatever manna you've provided, I pray that we would rest in that. God, I pray that we would recognize it. I pray that we would remember, Lord, that walking in your wilderness is better than resting in the slavery of our sin. God, I'm so thankful for you. God, I pray this morning that everything we do is just to your honor, God. And I pray you would challenge each of us to our very core of who we are. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Jesus.